Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. Great to see everyone in the house of the Lord this morning. And uh, I don't let the numbers bother me that much. I'm going to preach just the same if there's one or two of you or if there's a hundred of you here. So, uh, so the Lord's going to be praised. He's going to be honored. He's going to be glorified. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn with us to the book of Romans? The book of Romans, chapter 3. I got a kind of a lengthy uh, scriptural reading uh, this morning. Uh, so uh, y'all bear with me as I read this. We'll be reading verses uh, 1 through uh, 26. 1 through 26 in chapter 3. Wanted to share with you while you're turning there. Uh, <laughs> you know, Brother Randy is uh, off doing the Gideon thing today at, a, at the church. And uh, we need to be in prayer for our Gideons. Not just because we have two here because the Word of God is that important to our nation at this time. The Word of God is that important in our schools. The Word of God is that important in our prisons and in our jails. Uh, but, but Brother Don asked me something this uh, morning that uh, kind of floored me a little bit because I didn't, didn't realize uh, the, uh, how much trouble the Gideons are beginning to have in dispersing Bibles and the dedication of these God-called men where they make sure people get Bibles in their hands, regardless of what the laws are doing, regardless of what politicians are saying. He asked me this morning, Brother Don did, when we have vacation Bible school at our church, will they be allowed to give us Bibles? And I said, sure. He said, well, the reason I'm asking is because VBS is one of those things that we've been instructed we have to have permission to do. God help us. God help us. They've got permission to come in here anytime they want to and give away the Word of God in the house of God. Amen. Amen. Well, men have gone a step too far, in my opinion. Let's read this scripture. Because I'm going to be preaching to myself about this very subject today. We're going to be talking about the righteousness of Jesus Christ. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, and every man a liar, as it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our righteous unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather as we be slanderously reported, and so uh, as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? No, and no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. 
There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know what things soever the law saith. It saith to them who are under the law. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. Father, thank You for Your beautiful, wonderful Word today. Thank You, dear God, that it shows the ins and outs of who we really are in You. And it shows the total and complete reliance that we have on Savior named Jesus Christ for our salvation, for our forgiveness of sins. It comes no other way through no other person except Jesus. Thank you for His righteousness. Speak to us today, O oh God, through Your Holy Word. As only You can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When we look at the scripture and what I just read, and, and we know for a fact that the Jewish people killed Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? The religious leaders of that day who were people of the law, who did not believe the prophets, the law that they were looking at were the five books of, uh, of uh, Moses that gave the, the giving of the law, and what they knew about that law is it brought attention to our sin. They lived in complete hypocrisy. They lived uh, uh, in a time where they had control of just about everything in Jerusalem. And the, the, uh, the Roman people allowed this to happen. But make no mistake, just because they did that and just because they still don't believe in Christ as Lord and Savior, we have lots of questions about the Jews. 
And yet we stand in defiance and we stand with the Jewish people believing and still believing that they are God's chosen race of people. Do you believe that today? And Paul also said, and I know what you know about the Jewish people. I know he's talking to the Romans. He's talking to the Gentile people. I know what you know about them. I know they still persecute the church. I know they still do this and I know they still do that. But let me ask you a question. Is there anything good that comes from the Jews? Have the Jews lost their power? Has God given up on the Jews? Have they taken over? Are they, are they destroying Christianity? He asked all these questions. And he says, what advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? It has become a big issue in the day of Christianity because the Christian Jews were trying to teach the Gentile Christians they needed to be circumcised that they needed to obey the law. And Paul wanted to address this situation, and he addressed it through the Holy Spirit, and he's left us this same address for us to look to today, because see, the world that we live in has this same attitude toward the church today. We see it growing and growing and growing. It's getting momentous in this country today, how the church is being looked down at. We, we heard the report from the, from the Gideon this morning that, that, uh, that they had to have permission to go to the vacation Bible schools in the church to hand out a scripture. God help us. So we see this stuff and we're thinking, oh, what's this world coming to? Let me get it, tell you something. It don't matter what this world comes to because we know where this world's going. What we need to address and what we need to make sure of is that we know who is in control of this world. Amen? And so a lot of people think the Democrats are, the Republicans are, that, that, that Satan's in control. Well, I got news for you. No, they are not in control. And Paul looked at this and he said, I want you to look because they thought the Jewish people were the most awful people in the world. We look at this and they became a stumbling block. Do you know why they became a stumbling block? Because the prophet said that they would become a stumbling block. And when they became a stumbling block, guess what happened? The Gentile church was born. Hallelujah. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad they tripped up on Christ. I'm glad that it was in God's plan all the time that that happened. It said so in His Word that it would happen. There's things happening right now that says so in His Word. Amen. And we look at it like, oh my gosh, we need to change this politician. We need to change that politician. We need this president. We need that president. We need to get the right people in control. No, we need to get Jesus Christ in control. This is what we need in control of. Amen. And he's going to do it through his church. He's going to do it through his people. He's going to do it through me and you. And we don't need to be fooled and, and let this smoke screen that Satan's put up in front of us that's called politics, Hollywood, and all this other junk, false preaching, false teaching, false interpretation of the Word of God. We need to get all this stuff out of the way and realize God's got a plan and we are in it. Amen. And listen to me. Not only has he got a plan we're in it, we got to follow that plan Amen. to the letter. Amen. We got to follow it. So he said, what advantage? He said, I want you to look at this much every way. They're still involved. They are still involved today. You believe that? Mm -hmm. Israel is still involved today. You know why they're still involved today? Because they are going to be responsible, Brother Steve, for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Not the rapture of the church. I'm talking about when he comes and puts his foot back on the Mount of Olives. They're going to be responsible for that. Israel was one of them nations that all of a sudden wasn't a nation anymore. They were God's chosen people. And in, in, in about 350 A.D. or sometime during that time, there was a Roman emperor named Constantine. 
He became a Christian. Amen. Remember why Paul went to Rome? He went to Rome to witness to them people. He wrote this letter to Rome to witness to these people. And it paid off, but it took a long time for it to pay off. Constantine went back. His mother said, I want to go to the Holy Land. We got some people here that can go to the Holy Land. Susan and Connie think they get to go here pretty soon. I am good to go. Anyway, <laughs> listen to me. She wanted to go see where the man that was her savior came from. And so they went back in the middle of the 300 AD, somewhere in that time. And you know what happened as a result of their visit? Cathedrals and churches started being built in that area. Well, all of a sudden, Israel fades again. They disappear. God disperses them all over the world. We find out that in 1916, at the end of World War I, the Great, uh, Great Britain resumed, uh, 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 took responsibility for the land that was once called Israel, and guess who they gave it to? It wasn't Israel. They gave it to the Palestinians, amen. And they made a mandate that they were going to let them stay there for a certain period of time. And Jerusalem wasn't even Jerusalem anymore. They had renamed the city. Listen to me, at the end of World War II, this is God, something only God can do. We had a president named Truman, amen? And in 1948, you know what he did? He stood up and he said, from this day forward, Israel is Israel again. And the Jewish people can go back to this nation. They were forbidden up until that time. You want to know why we dropped two atomic bombs on Japan? You know why this country became a power that nobody could deal with? So he could proclaim that Israel would be their own nation again. Amen. They only had a little portion of that land. Amen. But you know what happened? In 1967, they had their own government. The Egyptians and the and the uh, and the Jordanians and the and the Syrians decided we don't, we're not going to put them up with them people no more. We're going to get rid of them people. We don't need them to be a nation. So in 1967, they gathered up all their troops and here they came marching toward this little country. You know how long it took Israel to defeat them? Seven days. In seven days, they defeated the armies of three different nations and they put a stop to this assault on them. And guess what else happened? It doubled the size of their land. And guess what happened? They got Jerusalem again. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But you know what? Jerusalem hadn't been able to be called the capital until when? 2017. 2017. We finally had a president with enough gall to say, I'm going to do what, I, what everybody already knows. We're going to proclaim that Jerusalem will be the capital of Israel from this day forward. And the whole world said, Woohoo! Let's do that. Amen. You know why God made America great? To give Israel back its land, to give Israel back its capital. Let me read you this scripture. Look at just what it says in Zechariah. Chapter 2, verse 12. Listen to the scripture. And the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion, and the holy land. Amen? That means the, 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 the nation of Israel. And shall choose Jerusalem again. That very prophecy has been fulfilled in mine and your lifetime. We have seen this prophecy fulfilled and it was happening line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. God don't work in our time. He works in His time. He has brought Israel back and now Jerusalem is their capital. Guess what happens next? They're going to build a temple there. You know why? 
because it's prophesied that they're going to build a temple there. Amen. And then somebody else going to come and set himself as his king in that temple. You know why? Because the Bible says it's going to happen. That's why I know that. I don't need proof. I got the word of God. I have what they call faith that nobody seems to have anymore. I believe it. I don't care if science can approve it or disprove it or what. They can just they all liars in my book. That's what Paul called them. That's right. Let every man be a liar, he said. But God is true. We need to get our focus off of Hollywood. We need to get our focus off the news media. We need to get our focus off of Washington, D.C. And we need to put our focus on Jesus Christ and Him crucified and become the people that He's called us to be. And quit trying to get out there and ride with the riders and fight with the ones that fight and get involved in this cause and that cause. We need to get involved with the cause of Jesus Christ because He's the only one who can change what we don't like. Amen. 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 Boy, this ain't even in my notes. I've got two hours to go. And so he all of this stuff, but if unrighteousness is committed by the right, you know, he, he starts addressing something here, Brother Sam, because, see, we got preachers all over the place. Did you know some preachers are God-called preachers and some people are Satan-called preachers? And some people are just preaching because they think it's easy and they want to make some money out of it. Amen. Yep. Amen. Time will, will tell who these preachers are. That's but right. the people that they preach to, if they're not careful, they'll be leave a lie and be damned. They'll follow a blind man and they'll wind up in the ditch. We need to know the truth of God's Word. We need to understand the truth of God's Word. We need to study the truth of God's Word so we'll know when somebody's pulling our leg and telling us a lie. Amen. Amen. Paul said, if I could do this, if I could preach a lie, then why am I still under sin? Why am I still going to be judged? If I can preach and change the Word of God, then I'll just preach it so I'm good and you ain't. Amen? You say, well, wait a minute. I don't see that. Look at verse 7. For the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto His glory. Why yet am I also judged as a sinner? That's what he just said. I can change the word of God and I can make it so I sound good, look good, and everybody's going to believe me, but it ain't going to be the truth. Can I do that? Nope. Well, he can. Oh. Is it going to work? Nope. It ain't going to work. Listen to me. It don't make any difference what the, the laws they vote in. It don't make any difference what they say we're going to do. If it don't adhere to the Word of God, we are to believe God always first and foremost. Amen. And when the, when the laws of God conflict with the laws of men, we always stand on the laws of God. And if they come arrest us, so be it. Amen. We need to get willing Amen. to go to jail for Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen. Don't plan it. But stand up for truth. Amen. Amen. And I want you to look at verse 8. He said, this was, this was a rumor that was going around at that time that the people slanderously reported that the Christians were saying, let us do evil that good may come. Well, you know what? It ain't a slanderous report anymore. It's being preached over a lot of pulpits in America today. You can do anything you want to. It's okay with God. Yeah. Amen. You ain't going to change God even if you say that. Right. 
Amen. I got to move on. And so it says, does it, he asked another question. You know what? Questions are good. You need to ask yourself questions. You need to ask God questions. The, uh, the Apostle James, when he wrote that we all need to ask questions. Amen. Amen. You know why? Because you don't, can't find out something if you don't ask. ask a good question and then hunt it in the Word of God. Listen to the preacher. Listen to the teacher. Look for the answer. He'll give it to you. Yeah. You believe that? Yeah. You have not because you ask not, he says. So we need to ask questions. So Paul asked another question. What then? Are we better than they? Are we better than the Jews? Are we better than everybody else? And you know what his answer is? No. Amen. Christianity is not made out of arrogance and pride. Amen. Woo! Did y'all hear that? I don't got a right to stand there and look at me. I heard a preacher one time, and I know I gotta I gotta move on. He was up there and he had he, he told us he was in a thousand dollar, he called it a seersucker suit. He drove up in a brand new black Lincoln Continental. And he had the audacity to get up in the pulpit and say he deserved that because he was preaching for Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Listen to me. My Lord rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Yeah. Amen. He didn't have a place to lay his head. He didn't have any clothes, clothes that was on his back. We don't deserve nothing. And if we got him, we don't need nothing else. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. Arrogance. And so he goes on and Paul, when he addresses this situation, and he tells us that we are no better than the Jew. And then he makes this statement. He says, why? Because we all have one common condition. We're all sick. Sin. Sick. Every man, woman, and child is born in sin. Shaping in iniquity. We all have a problem. It's called sin. Amen. Amen. So he goes to quoting scripture. Just think about that. The apostle Paul was a student of the word of God. He had been a Pharisee of Pharisees. He called himself. He knew all about the Old Testament law. But he don't start quoting the Old Testament law. You know what he starts quoting? The Psalms and Isaiah. And he begins to call out scriptures and he begins to quote scriptures. I'm going to give you the numbers. You can write them down if you want to. When, uh, when, when, I, when I look at these things, I'm not going to take the trouble to read them. Verse 10, look what he says. And it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. When you start walking around with your chest thrown out saying, I know Jesus and he knows me and I'm better than all the rest of you because I have got him. Well, that's, that's not working, is it? Yeah. Amen. That don't work at all. Paul said that is written. There is none righteous. No, not one. We don't, none of us deserve the grace we get. None of us deserve the mercy we get. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to praise God and thank Him every day because He gives it to us. Amen. Whether we deserve it or not. If you get what you deserve, you know where we'd all be right now? Amen. Burning. Amen. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Why is it important to know the Word of God? Because you need to understand who God is. And the Word of God tells us who He is. Not only does the Word of God tell us who He is, it tells us what He requires of us. 
He tells us what we can do that's wrong. He tells us how we can do things right. He tells us what grace is. He shows us what mercy is. He shows us a Savior. He gives us a Savior. For God so loved the world that He gave us His only begotten Son. We don't deserve none of this. He loves us that much. He's given these things to us and we ain't got nothing to be arrogant about. Amen. Amen. Then he said, they are gone, all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Verses uh, uh, 10 through 12, uh, he quoted from Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3, and Psalm chapter 53, verse 1. Then he says, their throat is an open sepulcher. Their tongues, they have, and with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is, in, is under their lips. Let me tell you what, we hear people all the time telling things that aren't scriptural at all. Some people will go out of their way to listen to this preacher on the radio or that preacher on TV. We'll buy books of theology. We'll listen to theologians because we think they're smarter than the rest of us are. <laughs> Amen? I mean, after all, they've been educated. They've been taught by the high up muckety muck. Paul said, had said, I was taught by the high up muckety mucks in the city of Jerusalem. And you know what he said about it? It was dumb. It don't mean nothing. See, because we don't need to be taught by the high up muckety mucks. We need to let the Holy Spirit that dwells in us lead us and guide us into all truth, all understanding. Amen. When those apostles came before the judges and the magistrates, they were bewildered at these people, what they knew. It's time that we, as the Christian church of Jesus Christ, bewilder some people by what we know Amen. about the Word of God. I hear all the time, I'm afraid to witness. I'm afraid to go to somebody's house. I'm afraid <laughs> they might ask me some questions and I don't know the answer to it. Don't worry about that. Right. Study the Word. And don't look for the answer. Just study the Word. And when the time comes for you to speak it, He'll let you do it. Amen. Amen. He, he probably, that's another prophecy of His Word. Don't worry about what you're going to say when you get in front of them judges. Magistrate, magistrate you stand there. I'll put the words in your mouth. God is in control. We are His people. We are His children. We are filled with His Spirit for a reason. So we can demonstrate who He is and how great he is. Amen. What, Amen. What, what did Brother Rick say a while ago? That woman refused to take credit for the, 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 the thing that she did. She gave Jesus the glory. That's who we got to be. Amen. Amen. That's who we got to be. And so then he says that, that this about their throat. This comes from Psalm chapter 5, verse 9. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Amen. Psalm 10 and 7. He quoted that. Y'all know what? We listen. You know, I, I got to thinking. Somebody said the other day that they had heard that Oprah Winfrey, and I've said this two or three times, and I guess I shouldn't even use uh, her name in the pulpit. But any time a person with that much notoriety and that big a following says that there are many ways to heaven, how many people listen to that junk? How many people listen to that lie? How many people then Turn to some other religion and say, I can find satisfaction. All I got to do is sit there and go, mm, 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 mm. 
called transcendental meditation, by the way. I can transcend myself somewhere else just by going, mm, mm. It's sort of like some churches where you go and people come up to pray and they go up and start beating them and running around and screaming at them. You know what they've done? They've effectively interfered with the Holy Spirit's work. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit is not the focus of that person anymore. It's who's hitting me. What are they screaming at me for? Been there. Mm, i got to move on. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood. Oh, and, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You say, well, we hadn't seen that. Oh, we hadn't? Y'all didn't watch the rites? Y'all didn't see all the people being beat up and beat on and shot at and killed and all of that stuff going on? And you don't think it, this is going on now? You know why it's going on? Because the Word of God said it was going to go on. Amen. 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 We're seeing this today in our streets. And what does the judicial system say? I ain't doing nothing wrong. I ain't doing nothing about it. <laughs> it's just peaceful. <laughs> who is stupid enough to believe that lie? You know who? People who don't know Jesus Christ Amen. and are not looking for His returning. That's who's stupid enough to believe that. Amen. You, you can, you can uh, write down Psalm 36, 1 through 4, Psalm 140, verse 3, Psalm 10, verse 7, Isaiah 59, verses 7 and 8. He tells all of these things. These are where all the quotes that he came from, from these prophecies that were made. And then he says something about the law. He said, Now we know what things soever the law saith is said to them who are under the law. Praise God that we are not under the law Amen. anymore. We are under grace. Amen. Ooh, glory. Amen. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the, listen to this, the knowledge of sin. It brings sin to your attention, but guess what? It don't got no way to get rid of it for you. They tried killing animals. And you know what they had to do? Every month, every week, every year, they had to keep killing, keep killing, keep killing. You know why? Because it did not take away the sin. It only rolled it ahead of them a little bit. Amen. You know why it did? All those sins were rolled ahead and bundled up till Jesus Christ came along. Amen. And all of that sin and all of the death of those animals came upon his shoulders and he that knew no sin became sin for me and you. The one that didn't deserve to die did for me and you. Hallelujah. Paul built up to this crescendo and I, I know this is wrong. But the righteousness of God, everybody say, but the righteousness of God righteousness. without the law is manifested, it being witnessed by the law and prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ. Prophets told us He's coming. 
He's coming. You know what they did to the prophets? You know, Christ told them what they did to the prophets. You killed the prophets that told you these things. You killed them. Did it change the truth? Nope. It did not. Does our unrighteousness change the righteousness of God? Does our unholiness change the unholiness of God? Does our ungodliness change the godliness of God? No. But you know what changes us? The holiness, the godliness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. We don't get to change God. He gets to change us. And he said this happens. This manifestation, this happens because we believe. Amen? Amen. Brother Troy told, gave us a message one time entitled, But God. I started to entitle this one, But Jesus. Amen. Amen. But Jesus came. He came. He lived without sin. He died without sin. He became the perfect Lamb of God who once and for all became a living sacrifice who shed His blood who gave us a remedy for our sin by that blood so that we are redeemed, we are bought, we are paid for by Jesus Christ. How do I get some of this? That ought to be the question everybody's answering, asking right now. How do I get this? Amen. I want to show you something in the Scripture before we get too far away. He says this comes by the people who believe in Him. We, be, we become justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now look at this. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness. Now I want you to pay close attention to this next statement. Paul didn't write this for no reason. For the remission of sins that are past. Now this whole idea that I got saved and my sins are forgiven for me for the rest of my life and so I can go sin all I want to now and I'm a-okay with God because I've had that experience. Is that what He just said to us? When you come up from that altar fully saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, you become a brand new man or woman. Everything you ever did in your life from that day past is gone. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, we're still sinners. We're sinners saved by grace, but we're still sinners. So what does he say do? The Bible has something for us. Because not only does the Holy Ghost takes the place of the law, by the way. The Holy Ghost makes us guilty of our sins. That's when you feel conviction in your heart. A saved man, has any of y'all ever felt convicted since you got saved? Has any of you had to repent since you got saved? You know why? Because the Holy Ghost, which is the new law, said you did wrong, and it's time to do right. The law couldn't help that. The law couldn't stop that. The law couldn't prevent that. It could only roll it away. But Jesus Christ, <clears throat> through the shedding of His blood, gave us a remedy for that sin. Amen. Amen. Let me read you His remedy. 
And then I'm going to close. We find it in 1 John. Paul didn't write it. Chapter 1. Listen to this. And it, it's got a lot to do with where we're walking too, by the way. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Y'all hear that? Y'all both like one another. You both love one another. You ain't got to agree on everything, but you do got to get along. Amen? Amen. He said if you, if you walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And look at this. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Well, it sounds like those folks who said, once you get saved and He forgives you, then it's good. Now, hey, what He says, you got to keep reading. Amen? Look what He says. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Amen. Don't you ever walk around like a holier than thou. Say, oh, I'm going to go to heaven. I know I'm living in sin, but the Lord's going to forgive you. I've been saved. He, that ain't what this scripture says. Matter of fact, he talks about the willful sin in the book of Hebrews. And he says that there remaineth no more sacrifice for that kind of sin. Are y'all listening to me? I'm trying to help you here. I'm trying to tell you to do what I have to do every day. Amen. He said you deceive yourselves and the truth is not in us. Then look at this. But if we confess our sins, that's what confession is about. When you have sin, don't carry that sin around with you. When you feel the guilt, praise. Repent. <coughs> confess. He said if we confess our sins, look at this. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is when we obtain the righteousness of God. We're going to have a shootout here in a minute. <laughs> and he said it one more time. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And the truth is not in us. Amen. Y'all know why we give an altar call every Sunday? You know why we give the Lord's invitation every Sunday? It's not just for people who think they're lost to get saved. It's for people who have guilt in their lives to confess their sin before a holy God Amen. and be covered in the precious, wonderful, beautiful blood of Jesus Christ that was shed just for that purpose. We don't ever need to go a day lost. And we don't ever need to go a day carrying sin. If you do, it's because you chose to. Amen. Amen. I've heard people say, man, if I could get rid of this cancer, I'd do it so quick. You know what we ought to be saying? If I could get rid of this sin, I'd get rid of it right now. Well, guess what? You can. So why don't you? It's time to quit listening to the world. 
It's time to quit watching for proof. It's starting to live. Time to start living by faith. Receiving the grace. Stand full of the Spirit. And claim the blood of Jesus. All that red. That red's for you. And me. We just stand. His altar open for prayer. I pray that if the Lord has spoken to you and shown you anything in your life. You know, that's another thing. I always say that. And I think some people stand there and say, I ain't going up there because they're going to think i got something wrong. <laughs> Listen to me. Before I walked out those doors over there a while ago, I knew something was wrong in my life. I knew it. Behind that door, I confessed that before my God, and He was faithful. He was just. He did forgive. When I came through those doors, when I go and came up here, I was clean. Why? Not because I'm clean, but because of the righteousness of my Savior. Jesus Christ. What's He telling you right now? What's He showing you? What's on your mind? What's on your heart? Are you doing everything right? <laughs> Is there nothing you need to talk to Him about? If nothing else, just come say, Lord, I love you. what that preacher said that you gave your life a ransom for me and you shed your blood <clears throat> you took my sin and you nailed it to a cross and you made a way for me to come unto you dirty, filthy, unworthy, full of sin and disgrace, and bow down before you. And you take it all away. Thank you, Jesus. being my way for being my truth for being my life and one day when I stand before you you're going to say welcome welcome my child <clears throat> you believed in me upon my name you received my grace you received my mercy and my spirit has brought you here welcome my child come and enter in I have a 
no place for you. Oh, let me tell you what. You're going to be so glad. You came to Him in this life. You're going to be glad. I went long today, it was his fault. <laughs> Amen. He took 15 minutes, Rick took 15 minutes, Debbie took 15 minutes. It says not to quench the spirit, I don't care how long it goes. Hallelujah. We serve such an awesome, Amen. wonderful God. Jesus. I don't know about the rest of you, but I don't know what I would do without him. I can't live without him. No. Well, I don't want to. We thank Jesus Christ today for being our Savior. Thank you for being here today. Don't forget, you know, we will have a 5 o'clock service here. I'm going to be here. Brother Sam's going to be here with Hellfire and Brownstone. And I don't know who all going to show up. Everybody's welcome to come if you'd like. Uh, we, we'll, we'll be meeting at Cornerstone next to Hunter's for a unity service tonight. Some of us will be, so take your pick. Go wherever you want to go, wherever you feel comfortable at. And uh, we, we hope to see you at one place or the other. And remember why we go. Remember why we go. Because He is our Savior. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. I, I got a text message just a few minutes ago saying that my grandson-in-law is out of surgery. He's doing real good, and uh, he's back in his room. They give him jello, and maybe he's able to tolerate that jello. Get out in a few hours. Amen. 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 Y'all, my sweet sister-in-law is here, and uh, she is sweet. Purely, I kind of like her. And uh, I've gone to church with her. And she stopped Sunday school while I was there, and I know what I'm thinking about her. She loves Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so she's going to be going back home to Tennessee and, uh, and uh, today. So y'all be praying for her tribal graces. But yes, sir? Good to see Steve here today. It's good to see Steve here today. It sure is. Amen. 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 But anyway, Susan, if you would, would you please pray our dismissal prayer? Lord, I'm just so grateful to be here today and to feel your presence. Um, it's a promise, Lord, because you did say in your word where two or three are gathered that you'd be in the midst. And we've all felt your sweet, sweet presence today, Lord. And aren't we so thankful for that, Lord? Because you know it carries us. It carries us through the week. It gives us hope. And it gives us a peace, Lord. <clears throat> Only you can satisfy. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that we can look into your word and we can find a path and we can find our road map that will guide us through the days of our lives. And Lord, we're just so thankful for your truth, as Gary's talked about today. 
And Lord, if we're in doubt, we know that we can go to your word. We, can, we know that, Lord, the red letters that are written there, as this young lady sang today, that we can depend on that, Lord, when all else fails. We're so thankful today again, Lord, for these precious, precious people. I felt your presence, and I'm grateful. And Lord, guide us as we go our ways. Help us, Lord, to witness for you and to stand for you. And Lord, to say what is on our hearts to people, that they'll feel your presence and to feel, Lord, that what we say is true. Guide us and lead us as we go to our places today, Lord, and give us travel mercies. We give you all the praise and glory in your most precious, your most holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We know sometimes whenever Brother Gary preaches on Sunday morning, then Sunday night he'll have a follow-up to go along with it. Now, just uh, last Sunday, we celebrated Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Christ. And Brother Gary brought a message about the resurrection. And uh, we're going to do a little bit more following up on it this evening. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, <clears throat> I have... Um, <clears throat> I've taught Sunday school before, adult Sunday school, and uh, the ones that's in the class, I told them, I said, I am not going to get any of you to believe what I believe. I said, if I could get you to believe what I do, then somebody else later on will come along and persuade you to believe something else. But I said, we just use the Bible in our Sunday school class. And uh, everything we say, we'll have other scriptures to back it up. I said, uh, and that goes for all of us. Uh, and we don't have to turn to a lot of our different scriptures or not or anything like that tonight. But warning, warning after warning after warning is given in the Bible about beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. And then over in uh, I think it's over in 2 Corinthians 11, 13. It talks about their false apostles. Let me look, look back there in a second. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transferred, transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, talking about Satan's ministers, also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. And Brother Gary, he tells us all the time, as in the Bible tells us, that to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith or not, Make our calling and election sure. And the way we do that is what we profess with our mouth and in our heart. How does it line up with what thus says the Word of God? So, and uh, Brother Gary touched on it this morning about, about some preachers 
and it had been too many years, just in the last three or four years, I heard a preacher also make this statement, that whenever you get saved, all of your sins, past, present, future sins, they're automatically forgiven, taken care of, under the blood. But that does not line up with what the Scriptures have to say. And that's what Brother Gary was telling us this morning. That's not true. According to the Word of God, whenever we get saved, we become that new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. Our sins have been forgiven us. But we still live in this flesh and bone body. And this flesh and bone body, it still wants to do things that is sometimes contrary to the Word of God. And whenever we do mess up, whenever we do sin, the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit within us will convict us and point out to us, you've done wrong. You've said something wrong. You've gone someplace that you shouldn't have. And that's why it says over in, I believe it's 1 John, that if we, <coughs> if we say, if we're saved, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Because we do mess up, we do sin, we do bring shame and disgrace to the Lord sometimes. That's why we need to kind of keep uh, the grace of God, keep our hearts and lives clean, and keep things confessed up in our lives. So in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, begin with verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. Now, over in John 5, 28, 29, Jesus said that there would be coming a day when all that are in the grave shall come forth. There, there will be a resurrection of everybody, red, yellow, black, and white, saved and unsaved, or saved and lost. Now, if you, as you read through the Scriptures and everything like that, there's a... There's a thousand year separation between the judgment of the saved and the judgment of the lost. Over in uh, Romans, or 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, it says, For we must all appear, talk about saved people, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the deeds done in the body. Now that's, where, that's the judgment seat of Christ, the beam of seat of Christ. That's where saved people would be judged at. Not according to their whether they're saved or lost. That's determined while we're here upon the earth. And then over in Revelation 20, verses 4 through 6, it talks about, and I saw the dead, and, and let's, see, let's just read what it says. Revelation 20, Revelation chapter 20, beginning with verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Christ, and for the word of God, in which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Okay, verse 5. But the rest of the dead, the spiritually dead, those that have died without Christ as their Savior, the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So there is a resurrection day coming, both for the just and for the unjust. 
So in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 12, <coughs> now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, and that's what all the early preachers, all the apostles preached, that Jesus Christ died according to our sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So that's what they preached. Christ be preached that he rose from the dead. How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? And we know the religious groups in Jesus' day and time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. In the same way about today, we have people that do not believe in the resurrection. When you die, that's it. You might as well eat, drink, be merry, live for yourself and yourself only. Because that's it. When you're dead, you're gone. But uh, and then you got these religious groups that talks about that believes in reincarnation. I mean, you're alive. You're here upon a human right, the earth right now as a human. But your ancestor out here may be one of these cows walking up and down the street, one of these monkeys that's climbing a tree. But there's no such thing as reincarnation. It's not in the scriptures. The only true source, the only true source throughout the whole world that we have the truth in is right here in the Word of God, in God's Word. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. So, verse 13, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, and this here's the question, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? But there is a resurrection of the dead. Jesus said there was himself. Uh, verse 14, And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. So, he said, if Christ does not rise from the dead, uh, our preaching that we're doing, it's all in vain. This faith that you have supposedly put in just this one called Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he said, all that is in vain. He says also, we're false witnesses, we're false preachers, we're everything about us is false because we are testifying that God raised him from the dead. Uh, verse 16. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. He says the same thing again. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, our faith is in vain that we placed in Him. We're still in our sins and trespasses and separated from God. In verse 18, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ or perish. These people that have put their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ and believed on Him, um, if Christ didn't rise, they're, they're perished. They're, they're just dead. They're gone. They're gone. That's it. So, and then he says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So, a person that doesn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a person that is not saved, not born again, they don't really know what the future holds for them. They don't know if there's going to be 
anything after them after they die or what. But we as Christians that have been saved, put our trust in Christ, we know that He's alive because whenever we trust Him, He gives unto us His Holy Spirit. And His Holy Spirit bears witness with us that He is alive. And that's why we testify that He is alive. He did rise from the dead. Okay, verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Verse 21. For since by man came death, and this is talking about Adam, when God created Adam and then made him help meet, help made Eve, and he placed him there in the Garden of Eden, he said, Out of every tree in the garden you can freely eat of, but of the tree of knowledge, of, of, of tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of it. For in the day that you shall surely die whenever you eat of it. So this verse here, for since by man, talking about Adam, came death. By man, talking about Jesus Christ, came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So there is a resurrection day. But then it says, and we know that everything, that God is not the author of confusion. Everything that God does, He does it in a timely manner. He does it in an orderly manner. And this verse 23 bears this out. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, He is the first one to rise from the dead and never to see death again. Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, they that are Christ, the saved people, at His coming. And we know what 1 Thessalonians 4 has to say. If you want to look there, just a second, we will. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians 4, starting with verse 16. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Whenever you see those two little old words together right there, in Christ, that is always talking about saved people. People that have trusted Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then, we which are alive. See, some people are still going to be alive whenever the Lord comes back again. Uh, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another. So, everything is done in order without any confusion or anything like that. Now between verse 23 and 24, <coughs> There's a thousand year period of difference between verse 23 and 24. So we're not going to go into the rest of it. But here in verse 24, then cometh the end. Talking about Christ, whenever he sh 
shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. That's after the thousand-year reign of Christ. So there's a thousand-year difference between 23, verse 23 and 24. So let's now drop down to verse 35. Verse 35. But some man will say, or someone will have this question, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? So we're going to look at these verses here and see if we can't find out. We all, we all, I'm sure, have had family members or people that we was acquainted with to pass away. And I'm sure we've all been to funerals. And, uh, but there's a coming day when those people will rise again. And it says, some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? In these next couple of verses, now, I am not no farmer. I, I don't know nothing about farming. I don't know nothing about gardening really to speak of. I know whenever my daddy-in-law was alive, he would always have a little garden. And I made a comment one day to my in-laws that I think this year I'm going to break up a little garden spot. And I'm going to get out there and plant me some seeds, different things. And I made the statement, I said, I'm not going to get out there. <laughs> I'm not going to get out there to hold those little old rows all the time and get grass out of them. I said, I'm just going to plant them, let them come up. And my mother-in-law made the statement, she said, if you're not planning on getting out there and working that garden, she said, you're just wasting your time. So. I may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm not the dullest either. I took her out her word, and I never did plan anything. <laughs> so, anyway, these next few verses are going to talk about reaping and sowing. Now, we're going to use we're going to use corn, for example. It says, uh, verse 36. It says, "Thou fool." I mean, it's just like he's saying, man, don't you understand anything at all about planting and sowing and harvesting, reap time. Thou fool, that which thou sowest or put into the ground is not quickened, made alive or anything, except it die. Now, whenever you plant seeds, if you plant kernels of corn, those kernels of corn They've got to germinate. And when they germinate, they are dying. And anyway, when they germinate, and then uh, a few days later, you begin to see little old sprouts breaking through the ground. And as, those, as it grows, you have a corn stalk come up. And you have on that corn stalk ears of corn. Now, if I, if, uh, I understand it right, if a person is going to plant corn, they're not going to go out there and put in a full ear of corn for a corn stalk to come up. All you got to do is just have those little kernels of corn, no bigger than your thumb. So those kernels of corn will produce stalks of corn, and on those stalks of corn, if everything the Lord gives a harvest and an increase, will bring forth ears of corn. Okay, verse 36, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, 
Thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or some other grain. He says that that you're putting into the ground is sowing that kernel of corn. You're not going to harvest it. You're going to harvest the result of it, which will be ears of corn. And then it says, verse 38, God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Now, my wife is pretty much vegetarian. She won't eat. She won't eat no meat. Well, she'll eat. She'll eat sometimes some meat with uh, say like spaghetti with meat in it, uh, tacos, uh, pizza with pepperoni on it. But as far as actually being a meat eater, steak, pork chops, fish, or anything else, you're not going to get her to eat it. It's not going in her mouth. You might as well plan on killing her before it would go in her mouth. So anyway, verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men. We all understand that, I believe. If you not understand it, shake your head. We'll try to explain it again. Ms. Patsy, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I figured you did. Yes, ma'am. Everybody. Okay, there is one flesh of men, Another flesh of beast, cattle, deer, such like. Another, another type flesh of fish, and another of birds. All these here different animals that he's talked about, they all have a fleshly body, but each one of them, the texture of them and the taste of them is different. And then uh, he talks about the heavenly bodies that are up here in the, in the universe. There are also celestial bodies, that's heavenly bodies, and bodies terrestrial. Terrestrial is earthly bodies here on the earth. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Now you go outside at night time, and you look up in the sky, and you got all these different lights up there in the sky, and each one of them, the brightness is different from one to other. But yet, also, there's uh, verse 41. Now we have the sun to rule the earth by day and the moon to rule the earth by night. That's the way God created. Verse 41, there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon. And we understand that, I believe. And another glory of the stars for one star different from another star in glory or in brightness. Okay, now he gets into the resurrection of the body. And even among church people, there's so much misunderstanding about what the resurrection of the body is actually going to be like. And God is not the author of confusion. The problem comes in whenever we read something and we do not understand it, and we start trying to figure it out with our own mind, our own thinking. But if we don't understand something or another, just be patient, and as you read the Word of God and study it, you'll come across some other scripture someplace else that will shed light on what He had to say over here. This the Bible says that no scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, there's scripture in the Word of God that will interpret and help you understand other scriptures. It's just like, it's just like uh, 
But at John 14, in my Father's house of many mansions, Jesus said, I go away and prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Now he made that statement and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus said he was going to go away, prepare a place, and come back again. And that's all he had to say about it. Then over in Acts, whenever Christ ascended, those angels declared, why are you standing here looking up into heaven? Said this same Jesus that you see go again, he's going to come back again. And then over in 1 Thessalonians, we read those verses a while ago, it sheds a little bit more light on what's going to happen when the Lord comes back. The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then you get over into 1 Peter, I believe it is, 2 Peter, where it talks about, Peter talks about scoffers coming in the last days and saying, where is the promise of His coming? We've heard all of our lives, Christ is going to come back. It hadn't happened yet. Where, when is it? What's keeping him coming back? And then Peter says, the Lord's not slack concerning His promise, talking about coming again, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that's what Christ is wanting. He's wanting a few more to be, be saved. A few more saved. And one day when the church age is completed, then the church Lord will come back again. So, okay. Verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. People that have died in the Lord. Or not only in the Lord, but anyway... It is sown. Now, this when it says it, it is talking about one thing and one thing only. It is talking about this flesh and bone body that you have right now at this very moment. That's what it's talking about. So, verse um, verse 42, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown, or put into the ground, is buried in corruption. And we, each one of us, uh, none of us are real spry, young spry chickens anymore. I guess Jeremiah and his family, they're the youngest ones. Uh, the rest of us got a few gray hairs. We're getting on up there a little, little bit older in age. Whenever I was lots younger and dumber, I used to think that, man, I'd like to live to be 70, 75 years old. That would be a good, ripe old age to live to. But as a person lives and the Lord allows him to live and he starts getting closer and closer to that age, then my thinking has changed. And I look back and say, 70, 75, that's not very old after all. I'm glad I'm still alive. The Lord's blessed me. But be that as it may, anyway, verse 43, it is sown in dishonor, or verse 42, I'm sorry. It is sown in corruption, talking about the body. <coughs> it is raised in incorruption. It is sown, put into the ground, in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. That's what each one of us has right now, as we said here in this in their auditorium. Um, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. 
There is a natural body, that's what we have right now, and there is a spiritual body. There's so much confusion about what this spiritual body is going to be like, and it's not because the Word of God does not tell us what it's like, but it's just because we do not accept it the way the Word of God actually says it is. Okay, verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. God breathed into Adam, breath of life, and he became a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit, talking about Christ. How be it, that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural. We have a natural body first, we live our period of time upon the earth. Whenever we die, and we're resurrected in that last day, we were raised in a spiritual body. Uh, verse 46, How be it that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards, in the resurrection, that which is spiritual. The first man, talking about Adam, is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And as or as is the earthy, search are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. Now, verse 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit uh, incorruption. So it says, as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now, what, seven billion people or so upon the earth today? Yeah. And every one of us has got a body that is different from everybody else. All we, may, we all have ears. All have, well, I suppose they all have hair. Some do, some don't. But we all have fingers. Most of us, this person born without any handicaps or anything, we've got fingers, toes, arms, we've got limbs of our body. We all bleed red. Sir? We all bleed red. Yes, sir. We all bleed red. Red, yellow, black, and white. Uh, we all carry the same blood in our bodies. I know there's different types of blood, but a life of the flesh is in the blood. So, verse 51 <coughs> tells us how it's going to happen. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, we're not all going to be dead, have passed away when the Lord comes back. The Lord could come back any day. Now, He'd come back before we make it home this evening. He'd come back before sunrise tomorrow. One day He is coming back, though. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed. And this is how quick and how fast it's going to happen. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall I put on incorruption, and this mortal shall I put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, 
Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just a few more verses and we are going to be through. Over in, um, over in Hebrews 10 and 5, it says that, uh, well, let me just read it. Hebrews 10 and 5. Well, we know what the Word of God has to say about God. It says, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, it's not talking about <clears throat> something invisible floating around out here in space. That's not what it's talking about when it says God is a spirit. God has a, he is a spirit being just like we are a human being. We are suited. We have a body that is suitable for living here upon this planet called Earth. So, uh, let's see where that verse I will read you. Hebrews 10, verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And we all know about the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, how the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she became a child. And uh, she gave birth to the Lord Jesus Christ. He lived 33 years or a little more upon this earth. He began his ministry at the age of 30. And he was the supreme sacrifice that God demanded, an absolutely perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. And that's why God, over in First First uh, Timothy, I believe it is, 3.16, it says, and without controversy, no arguing, no denying the fact, no getting around it, and without controversy, Great is a mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. It was God Himself that took upon Himself a flesh and bone body in order to come to earth and die for the sins of the world to provide that supreme sacrifice that would forever take away the sins of the world forever. Now, just a couple more verses and then we'll be through. Now, the Bible says that there's only one mediator between God and man. Somebody know? Somebody can finish the rest of that for me? But there's one mediator between God and man. Okay, the Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man. It says the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ, when he rose from the dead, he had a flesh and bone body. But it is a glorified spiritual body that will not see corruption anymore. Look over in Luke. Look over in Luke 24. We're going to read a few verses. And if this don't clear everything up, I just don't know what will. Luke 24. This is after Christ was risen from the dead. And uh, 
he showed himself to the Emmaus disciples. And then uh, verse 36, And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he, talking about Christ, said unto them, Why are you troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. I mean, Jesus Christ literally died, was buried, and rose again. And this same Jesus that the angel said we see going into heaven, he's going to come again. But anyway, uh, behold my hands and my feet, verse 39, that it is I myself, handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. Jesus said, and whenever Jesus appeared to his disciples in the upper room, and he told Thomas, he said, reach out your hand and touch me. He said, you can feel the nail prints, see this wound in my side, that it is I. I was a dead, I'm alive forevermore. Behold, verse 39, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wonder, he said unto them, talking about Christ, said unto those disciples, Have ye here any meat? You got any food? Have you got any food for me to eat? Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a, piece of a broiled fish and of a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the psalm concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scripture. So it's not a question as to whether there's going to be a resurrection, because there is. The question is, will you be part of the first resurrection? Hopefully, I know everybody in here acknowledges that they're saved, they trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, we trust that you are. And uh, I guess that is my conclusion of it this evening. Any questions? Any comments? Appreciate you coming out, and uh, everybody have a safe trip as we head different locations home. And uh, services will be starting up there at Cornerstone before too long. Well, Brother Jeremiah, if you'll dismiss us in a word of prayer, please.
waiting a revival like we've never seen before. There's so many lost out there. But if there's anyone that can bring them to you, you can make it happen. Lord, as we go home tonight, please keep everyone safe. There's a work week. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Appreciate each one of you coming out this evening.